Father, thank you so much for how you work in our church. Your Holy Spirit is alive, and so are you, and how you choose to work in us in such amazing ways. And as we continue to discuss the baptism of the Holy Spirit, the gift of the Holy Spirit, the filling of the Holy Spirit, all these synonymous terms, I pray that would happen to us because we need you here. Lord, we're so accustomed to working for things and earning things and wanting the immediate. And yet, Lord, you're working in such fine ways within us, concerned about our character, concerned about our development and maturity as followers of yours. And so it's in your timing and we realize and we lay that at your feet. I pray that we would just be able to walk humbly with you. In Jesus' name, amen. So last week we started the subject of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And so today we're going to continue to unpack this experience by journeying through the book of Acts. And so it's going to be quite a big chunk and a lot of scripture references. I'm hoping by the end of it you'll gain something from that. But before we venture into the book of Acts, I kind of want to shape this sermon by looking at a verse from Matthew. Matthew chapter 3 verse 11. This is John the Baptist talking here. And he says, I baptize you with water for repentance, but he who is coming after me is mightier than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. Now Jesus himself gave us this reassurance of what John the Baptist already told us in Acts chapter 1, verse 4, and Luke recorded this for us. And while staying with them, he, Jesus, ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you heard from me, for John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. What John the Baptist and Jesus both said came to pass in Acts chapter 2, verses 1 through 4. When the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place. And suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. And divided tongues as a fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. This experience that they went through was the baptism of the Holy Spirit, the, the filling where they were filled and so we can see that there's a substitution or a interchangeability between the terms filled, baptism, and gift. Because you also find that word there too. And you recall that the disciples were converted, right? They were saved, they were born again prior to this experience, before this experience. And this filling of the Spirit was after this transformational conversion. It happened afterward. In John chapter 20, verse 22, Jesus breathed on the disciples and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. That was a different experience also. What was that one? That experience preceded the baptism of the Holy Spirit. That experience was when the Holy Spirit went in, indwelled the disciples, and they were born again by the Spirit. Jesus said in John chapter 3, verse 6, that which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. So when Jesus said in John chapter 20, verse 22, receive the Holy Spirit, I think that's when they were born again. That's when they were saved. Jesus said to Peter in Luke chapter 22, verse 32, when you have turned again, strengthen your brother. So in other words, when you are converted, strengthen your brothers. And that's what Peter did. 
Peter converted and he strengthened his brothers as evidenced by the book of Acts. Peter was a leader in the early church. Peter was a representative of the early church and he strengthened his brothers after his conversion. Before his conversion, he was scared of junior high schoolgirls. Right? After he turned, after he converted, he strengthened his brothers to lead the church. You see this complete transformation of Peter before conversion and Peter after conversion. Now, he received the indwelling of the Holy Spirit in John chapter 20. And then he received the baptism of the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost, Acts chapter 2. The filling of the Spirit was after the indwelling of the Spirit. So now let's start our journey through the book of Acts to see how the baptism of the Holy Spirit manifested in the believers of Jesus. We're going to start by looking at Acts chapter 2, verses 37 through 39. This was after Peter preached to the crowds who gathered around the disciples because these guys were witnessing some amazing things that the disciples were doing and coming from them and the people in the crowd were convicted of their sin. And so here we are picking up in verse 37. Now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? And Peter said to them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is for you and for your children and for all who are far off, everyone whom the Lord our God calls to himself. Now you notice Peter's instruction in verse 38. Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will, hasn't happened yet, Receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The gift of the Holy Spirit comes after, not before, repentance. After repentance. Now you take a look at Acts chapter 8. And we're going to take a look at how the Holy Spirit worked there. And I'm going to read verses 5 through 17 to give you this story. Philip went down to the city of Samaria and proclaimed to them the Christ. And the crowds with one accord paid attention to what was being said by Philip when they heard him and saw signs that he did. For unclean spirits crying out with a loud voice came out of many who had them, and many who were paralyzed or lame were healed. So there was much joy in that city. But there was a man named Simon, who had previously practiced magic in the city and amazed the people of Samaria, saying that he himself was somebody great. They all paid attention to him from the least to the greatest, saying, This man is the power of God that is called great. And they paid attention to him because for a long time he had amazed them with his magic. But when they believed Philip as he preached good news about the kingdom of God in the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized both men and women. Even Simon himself believed. And after being baptized, he continued with Philip. And seeing signs and great miracles performed, he was amazed. Now when the apostles at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they had sent to them Peter and John, who came down and prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit. For he had not yet fallen on any of them, but they had only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then they laid their hands on them, and they received the Holy Spirit. You notice what happened to the believers in Samaria. Back in verse 12, they believed, and then they were baptized. The Holy Spirit was with them. We talked about this, para, with, outside, alongside, near. And then he indwelled them, en, right? But they did not receive the filling, the baptism, the gift of the Holy Spirit yet. 
Peter and John were sent to pray for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit. And it wasn't that they didn't have the Holy Spirit in them. It's that the Holy Spirit wasn't upon them. He wasn't over them. He hasn't baptized over them. How do we know this? We look at what Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 3. Therefore, I want you to understand that no one speaking in the Spirit of God ever says, Jesus is accursed, and no one can say, Jesus is Lord except in the Holy Spirit. So the believers had the Holy Spirit in them because they are professing that Jesus is Lord. They have the Holy Spirit in them. Philip was preaching and they received Jesus as Lord. They believed that Jesus was Lord. And that can only be recognized with the Holy Spirit in you. So the Holy Spirit indwelled them. And it's just that the Holy Spirit had not yet come upon them. And so last week, we shared these three Greek prepositions. Para, en, and epi. Right? Para was nearby. En is in, indwelling. And epi is over, upon. That's what that means. And so the Holy Spirit is with us even before we became believers. He's near us. He's around us. He's convicting us of our sin. And then once we confess that we want to accept Jesus into our life, He indwells. The Holy Spirit comes in. He's in. And this is where the believers in Samaria are right now. They were believers. The Holy Spirit was previously with them, and now He is in them. And when they believed, He indwelled them. And so indwelling inside the person, this is when the Holy Spirit is in the person, working in the person, making them more into the image of Jesus, molding them and shaping them into the image of Jesus. But this is not the power of the Holy Spirit upon a person. They're different. That is epi. Acts chapter 1, verse 8. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon epi, you. And so the believers in Samaria experienced the Holy Spirit with them as evidenced by the conviction of their sin. And then they experienced the Holy Spirit in them as evidenced by their obedience. And in this case, their obedience is they're getting baptized. But they didn't experience the Holy Spirit upon them yet. Not until Peter and John laid their hands on them and prayed for them did they receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. How do we know this? Because something obviously happened after these prayers. We don't know what exactly, but we know something happened because otherwise, why would Simon, this guy who used to perform magic, not like pull a bunny out of a top hat magic, like, like black magic, right? Like, like darker magic, like sorcery. Why would this sorcerer offer the disciples money to buy their power that he saw coming from them if nothing happened. Because if nothing happened, then he could do stuff. Just leave it the way it is. Obviously, something happened, and Simon wanted that. That he wanted to buy something from them. So he wanted to be able to have the power, like Peter and John, to touch people and to pray for them, and they would receive the power of the Holy Spirit upon them. Because it obviously manifested in some physical, tangible way that when the Holy Spirit was upon someone, that power was manifested from that person in some way. And he wanted that. It's a visible power for the service of God in his kingdom. Now reading on into Acts chapter 9, we read how Saul, who's later to be known as Paul, continued to persecute the early Christian church. Acts chapter 9, verses 1 through 6. 
But Saul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues at Damascus, so that if he found any belonging to the way, men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. Now as he went on his way, he approached Damascus, and suddenly a light from heaven shone around him. And falling to the ground, he heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he said, Who are you, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. But rise and enter the city, and you will be told what to do. Paul converted on the road to Damascus. And that's evidenced by his submission and obedience to Jesus as Lord, which can only happen in the Holy Spirit, which Paul wrote about in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 3. We've already talked about that. No one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. Now, Paul entered Damascus blind, and being led there by hand uh, to the house of Judas. And this guy Judas lived on the street called Straight. So in other words, Judas lived on Main Street. Because back in these days, there's a main artery into the city, and so this is Main Street. In this case, the street is called Straight. Now let's pick up the story in Acts chapter 9, verse 10. Now there was a disciple at Damascus named Ananias. The Lord said to him in a vision, Ananias, and he said, Here I am, Lord. And the Lord said to him, Rise and go to the street called Straight, and at the house of Judas look for a man of Tarsus named Saul, for behold, he is praying. And he has seen in a vision a man named Ananias come in and lay his hands on him so that he might regain his sight. But Ananias answered, Lord, I have heard from many about this man, how much evil he has done to your saints at Jerusalem. And here he has authority from the chief priest to bind all who call in your name. But the Lord said to him, Go, for he is a chosen instrument of mine to carry my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel. For I will show him how much he must suffer for the sake of my name. So Ananias departed and entered the house, and laying his hands on him, he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road by which you came has sent me so that you may regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. And immediately something like scales fell from his eyes and he regained his sight. Then he rose and was baptized. You notice he wasn't filled by the Holy Spirit until Ananias showed up. And that the filling of the Holy Spirit was a different experience for Paul and from his conversion. Different experiences with the Holy Spirit. And it happened after the Holy Spirit was with him, convicting him of sin on the road to Damascus, and after the Holy Spirit indwelled him as evidenced by his act of obedience to rise and go to Damascus where he was told what to do next. And in Paul's case, that was his act of obedience, to go and to be led into Damascus. And you notice that he was baptized after being filled by the Holy Spirit. God's unpredictable in how he's working, and we're going to get into that a little bit more later. Continuing on in the next chapter, in Acts chapter 10, Peter was called by God to go to Caesarea, to the house of Cornelius, a centurion. Cornelius knew who Peter was. And so what did he do? He invited his relatives, he invited his friends to come on over to listen to what Peter had to share. And Peter shared the gospel. And in verse 44, something happened. So picking up in Acts chapter 10, verse 44. While Peter was still saying these things, the Holy Spirit fell on them. And the Greek preposition there is a P. Fell on all who heard the word. And the believers from among the circumcised who had come with Peter were amazed because the gift of the Holy Spirit was poured out even on the Gentiles. 
for they were hearing them speaking in tongues and extolling God. Then Peter declared, Can anyone withhold water for baptizing these people who have received the Holy Spirit just as we have? And he commanded them to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Then they asked him to remain for some days. Again, the Holy Spirit had already been with them. And the Holy Spirit had already indwelled them. But the Holy Spirit wasn't upon them. And in their case, like Paul, they were baptized with water afterward. So it's not impossible to be baptized by the Holy Spirit before being baptized with water. This is God's ballgame. These are His rules. He's the one determining this stuff. Now let's take a look at the next chapter in Acts chapter 11. Because after Peter was hanging out with these guys, he goes back and he is criticized by the apostles and the brothers for hanging out with those Gentiles. And he told them what happened, picking up in verse 15, Acts chapter 11. As I began to speak, the Holy Spirit fell on them at P, just as on us at the beginning. And I remembered the word of the Lord, how he said, John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. If then God gave the same gift to them as he gave to us when we believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, who was I that I could stand in God's way? Baptism of the Holy Spirit. The epi, which is interchangeable with words like filled and gift. Baptism, same thing. Now moving on in Acts. Acts chapter 18 and 19. In Acts chapter 18, Paul left Athens. And then he went to Corinth to take the gospel there. Now by trade, Paul was a tent maker. This is how he made a living. He was making tents out of goat hair. Specifically a black goat. And he worked in Corinth to make ends meet. And there he met this couple named Priscilla and Aquila. And Acts chapter 18, verse 19, the three of them came to Ephesus. Now Ephesus was Asia Minor's major commercial city, and it was the gateway to Asia. Any trade going in and out of Europe and Asia had to go through Ephesus. It was one of the largest cities in the Mediterranean world at this time. And if you go there now amazing how it's preserved with the library and the auditorium and all this kind of stuff. It's amazing. And be in prayer. Maybe we'll do another Steps of Paul trip and we'll go visit it in the next couple years. Well, Paul sailed back to Jerusalem. And during this time, there's this guy. His name was Apollos. And he's a Jewish guy. He came to Ephesus and Apollos was this eloquent man, competent in the scriptures, as it says in Acts chapter 18, verse 24. Now, picking up in verse 25, he had been instructed in the way of the Lord and being fervent in spirit, he spoke and taught accurately the things concerning Jesus, though he knew only the baptism of John. He began to speak boldly in the synagogue, but when Priscilla and Aquila heard him, they took him aside and explained to him the way of God more accurately. And when he wished to cross to Achaia, the brothers encouraged him and wrote to the disciples to welcome him. When he arrived, he greatly helped those who through grace had believed. For he powerfully refuted the Jews in public, showing by the scriptures that the Christ was Jesus. Now, head over to Acts chapter 19, starting in verse 1. And it happened that while Apollos was at Corinth, Paul passed through the inland country and came to Ephesus. There he found some disciples, and he said to them, Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And they said, No, we have not even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. And he said, Into what then were you baptized? They said, Into John's baptism. 
And Paul said, John baptized with the baptism of repentance, telling the people to believe in the one who has come after him. That is Jesus. On hearing this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul had laid his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them, and they began speaking in tongues and prophesying. Now you notice what they lacked before Paul pointed it out to them. The baptism of the Holy Spirit. They did not have that. Now, have you met Christians who know the Bible really well? They believe in Jesus. And if you were to give them a Bible test, they would pass it because they know everything inside that Bible. They know the right answers to the questions that you have. But they lack something. They lack something. And in your spiritual discernment, you can tell that they are lacking something. And you can't always put your finger on it. Is it power? Is it peace? Or is it something that they do have that is not consistent? Is it bitterness? Is it cynicism? Is it they walk around with a chip on their shoulder? Like, what is it? And you just can't tell what it is, but you can tell that something is spiritually off. Like, it's not matching up, even though the right things are coming out of their mouth and they are saying the right things, and what they know are the right things. This was Paul with the Ephesians. Right? This was Paul when he came back to Ephesus and he met these guys. And he was like, man, you guys know all the right answers. Apollos taught you guys well. Like, you guys can recite all the stuff. You guys can defend things with the scriptures. But you guys lack something. And even though they knew Jesus was the Christ and they could pass a Bible exam and they could probably give a Bible study, Paul hit the nail on the head when he asked them this question in verse 2. Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? Yes, the Holy Spirit is with you, convicted you of your sin, and that's what caused you to repent and to believe in Jesus, to invite Jesus, and the Holy Spirit indwelled you, so that after that belief, the Holy Spirit indwelled you as a believer in Jesus. But what about what happens soon thereafter? Maybe much later, who knows when, it's up to God. When the Holy Spirit fills you, and He fills you to overflowing, and they said, no, we have not even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. They had no idea there was a Holy Spirit. They had no idea who the Holy Spirit was, even though they were baptized. And that's why Paul asked this question in verse 3. Into what then were you baptized? Because Paul asked that because Jesus said in Matthew 28, verse 19, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. So Paul wondered... When you were baptized, weren't you baptized in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit? And these guys are like, no. We were baptized into John's baptism. Well, John's baptism was a baptism of repentance from sin. So they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus, but they lacked the baptism of the Holy Spirit. So Paul laid hands on them and the Holy Spirit came upon them, epi, the Holy Spirit came upon them after they were converted, and they knew all the right doctrinal answers. They knew all the right theology, but they lacked something as a Christian until Paul laid hands on them and they received the Holy Spirit to overflowing. So we've looked at these varied ways believers of Jesus have experienced the baptism, the filling, the gift of the Holy Spirit in the book of Acts. 
In Acts chapter 2, verses 1 through 4, they were all together in one place, and suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting, and divided tongues as of fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them, and they were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. We then move to Acts chapter 8, where we saw the believers in Samaria receiving the gift of the Holy Spirit when Peter and John prayed and laid hands on them. Now, we don't know how the gift of the Holy Spirit manifested there, but something happened. Otherwise, Simon the sorcerer wouldn't have offered to buy that power from the disciples. Then we move to Acts chapter 9. And then we saw that in verse 17, Paul was filled with the Holy Spirit through Ananias, laying hands on him. And Ananias was just your average Joe. He's not the Peter John, send them over. He's just your average guy. He was just hanging out there, lived there, and God said, go. And so when Paul was filled with the Holy Spirit, he was healed from his blindness, but we don't read of the manifestation of the Holy Spirit filling Paul. We do know that Paul was instrumental and influential in the early church, and we do know that Paul spoke in tongues, 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 18, but we don't know what happened immediately after this event. Now, Acts chapter 10 was a totally different experience when the Holy Spirit fell upon them. Peter didn't even lay hands for them or pray for them. While Peter was talking, the Holy Spirit fell on all who heard the word. The gift of the Holy Spirit was poured out, and they spoke in tongues and extolled God. God did it without Peter praying and laying hands. He just was teaching, preaching, and it happened. I'm kind of waiting for that now. And then lastly, in Acts chapter 19... Paul was in Ephesus, and he laid hands on the believers there, and they spoke in tongues, and they prophesied. All these baptism of the Holy Spirit experiences, none of them exactly alike. God is creative, he is sovereign, and the gift of the Holy Spirit will manifest as he sees fit. And I mention this because people try to reenact, and they try to redo the things that other people have done. Oh, that amazing blessing or that amazing revival or this that and then oh we need to duplicate this stuff and they were doing songs this way and they were praying this way and they had this posture and they had this and they're trying to recreate all this stuff but there's no reason for us to reenact how others got the filling of the holy spirit that was their experience and god has in mind our experiences to live out and they may look different and they probably will So be careful not to be covetous or envious of what others have experienced in the Holy Spirit because sometimes we can want that. We want that so badly. Like, God, come on, we want you to do something here. God knows exactly what He's doing. He knows what He's doing and we can't come up with this recipe to make God do something. God, we prayed these prayers, we laid hands on people and we're doing all this stuff. Come on, show up. God's in charge. God's in charge. And sometimes churches and people in the church think that they can manipulate God into showing up. Think that they can make God do something. Right? And so we have these prayer meetings. And so, hey, make sure we have these songs and these worship songs and and make sure that the lights are dim and uh, make sure that we have a time of prayer and we're doing this. All those things can be good things with the right heart, but if it's to try to recreate an experience or have something reenacted, it ends up being so mechanical. While what we have with God is a relationship and it's not a mechanism, it's a relationship. 
which means that the dynamics within the relationships vary widely. The relationships are dynamic and they're organic. So what I experience may be completely different from what you experience. And neither experience is better. The real value is the relationship we have with the Holy Spirit and how the overflowing of the Holy Spirit manifests is dependent on God. So let's not compare experiences in a way that places value on them as if one is better than the other because it's not like that. It's all for the kingdom of God. I've been praying for the gift of tongues for like years. Since I was like a kid. I don't have it. I don't have it. I've never experienced that. I've been given other gifts. I've been given other gifts. And it's all for the kingdom anyway. It's not for us. And so maybe I have and I just don't know it. I don't know. But we're not to be Holy Spirit experience hunters, right? Like, I want that one. That one's cool. I want that one. Right? Like, oh, that's... Our faith is in God. Not the experience. And God works in many ways, and we aren't all going to experience the same things in the same ways. The filling of the Holy Spirit may look different from one person to the next. God showed us this in the book of Acts. It's varied. Right from Acts 2 all the way to 19, like these experiences are varied. He showed us that there isn't just one way of experiencing the Holy Spirit. Sometimes the manifestations were given. Other times, it's silent. They didn't say what it was, but we just know that someone like Simon the Sorcerer wanted to buy it. And God isn't locked into how he works things out. Baptism by water, oh, you need to be baptized by water before you get the filling of the Holy Spirit. Paul didn't. Paul didn't, right? The believers in Ephesus didn't. And we try to make all these orderly things, right? Like, before you take communion, you got to do this. Before you get baptized, you got to do this. Before you got this, and we have all these kind of like things there. Some of it is legitimate, and some of those things, yes, let's follow the procedure. But other times, I think we put a lot of obstacles as Christians, trying to make people jump through these hoops before we kind of embrace them and making progress in their spiritual walk. So there isn't an equation we can plug ourselves into and expect God to do things because we did it and make it look the same way. And there are some things that, yes, we can. When we confess our sins and we accept Jesus, we can guarantee that, yes, He will indwell us. We can guarantee that the Holy Spirit is with us. We cannot guarantee how the manifestations of the overflowing of the Spirit, how they're going to show up. That one you don't know. So we need to be open to how God will work in our lives, in our church, and we don't have to chase after the same experience or gift as someone else that they have. The thing is just for us to be open, to open ourselves to the work of God in us and through us, and to be obediently available for His service. And it may happen through the prayers and the laying of hands of Clergymen, you know, pastors, uh, evangelists, uh, people out there who work in the church like it was for the people in Samaria when they sent Peter and John. But it might happen from a layman like Ananias who did that for Paul. Or maybe it just happens. And it isn't somebody that comes over and prays and lays hands on you that it just happens like on the day of Pentecost when the apostles were just hanging out. They were just together. So we need to be open to how God will work 
in each one of us and in our church and be open to the filling of the Holy Spirit to receive the power of the Holy Spirit for his service because it's all for him. None of it is for us. None of it is to self-aggrandize. None of it is to point to our church and say, like, that church has got the Holy Spirit. Look at them. Like, woo. It's not like that. It's for his service. And may we serve in humility. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for your servant Luke recording for us the book of Acts. And just how that's laid out for us in the book of Acts of how you've come upon, how you've filled, how you've gifted the believers in Jesus with the Holy Spirit. And so we ask for that, Lord. Not knowing how that's going to manifest except that it is for the service of your kingdom. We don't know when, we don't know how, we don't know what gifts are going to manifest, but we have faith that you will use us and our church as we submit to serving in your kingdom. And so may we just be those tools to manifest your gifting in whatever way you see fit to affect, influence our communities that we're involved in. Holy Spirit, please fall upon us. We desire something that is more than just biblical knowledge. We desire something that is more than just living a moral life. Lord, we desire your power so that others who have practiced other ways like Simon the sorcerer would acknowledge that and see that, that there is something different. There is something godly and holy and righteous that is coming from us because it is your Holy Spirit that is overflowing from us. In Jesus' name, amen.